popular demand is episode three of Creative Tragedy. Now, a lot of you are probably wondering, uh, well, the two of you that listen to this are probably wondering why I haven't created an episode in, in a little while. And uh, just to let you know, I have been insanely busy uh, with school and with work, uh, working 40 hours a week and then having grad classes is uh, kind of a, uh, a time consumer. So um, I do apologize for the delay, but I'm going to try to get these done uh, on hopefully a weekly, if not a uh, twice a twice a month basis. So uh, this week's episode, what I would like to talk about is Nintendo. Now, a lot of you that know me know that I am probably the biggest Nintendo fanboy there is. I have owned every single Nintendo system ever made, which goes all the way back from the NES, the NES 2, the Game Boy, the Game Boy Color, uh, the Super Nintendo, the Super Game Boy, the Virtual Boy, Nintendo 64, the DS Fat, the DS Lite, the Game Boy Micro, Game Boy Advance, Game Boy Advance SP, all the way up to the Nintendo Wii. So a lot of you know how big I am into uh, uh, the Nintendo fandom. So one of the things I did want to talk about uh, for this episode is why Nintendo is doing so well and why they are going to continue to do well for an extra 20 years. Uh, Nintendo, of course, they, they were founded, a lot of people don't know, back in 1889. And a lot of people sit there and think, well, it's Nintendo, you know, you think of video games and everything. Well, what did they do back then? Well, they actually started off making playing cards, which is kind of funny, but uh, that's what they first started doing, and then from there they made some novelty games also. Uh, they also did a lot of other interesting things, like they had taxi cabs in Japan. They also did a thing called love hotels, and not to go into too much detail, but basically these are hotels you could rent out for an hour at a time, and then people would leave. So, But most people know them from you know, starting in the 1980s with the NES. Before that, they did have the handheld systems, uh, the Game & Watch series in particular in the 1970s. And one of the biggest things in the 1980s a lot of people remember of course is Mario Brothers I mean if you think back everyone knows the theme to Mario Brothers everyone knows the underground theme you know to Mario Brothers everyone knows Mario plain and simple and whenever you think of Nintendo that's who you think of uh, so one of the things I did want to say though in particular about Nintendo one of the things that they did back then is they created a generation of Nintendo fanboys because what else did you have to play at the time you know the Atari they bombed they you know completely destroyed the video game market back in, in the early 1980s. The Nintendo came and completely uh, brought back a dead industry. They single-handedly recreated a dead industry. And then after the Nintendo, you did have the Sega Master System and the TurboGrafx-16. Well, when that was out, Nintendo cornered 90% of the market, which is a huge, huge number. And then, of course, you had the Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis days, which those were the absolute best days. Uh, my brother had a Sega Genesis, I had the Super Nintendo, you know, and we always fought about which one was better and everything. Uh, the Super Nintendo did uh, win during that era, and then after that, you had the Nintendo 64. And during this time, the Sony PlayStation was out, and then so was the Sega Saturn. Now, a lot of people uh, don't know too much about the history of the Sony PlayStation, 
just to kind of give a very small snippet about it, the uh, PlayStation was actually a Super Nintendo add-on. It was actually going to be developed by Sony as a CD add-on system to uh, answer to Sega CD add-on system. And what happened was Nintendo realized that they weren't going to be making any money off this because Sony had some pretty aggressive business practices, which stated that they would be making every CD that was made for the Super Nintendo. And then on top of that, they also would be making a standalone system called the Nintendo PlayStation, which what that would do is that would actually play the Super Nintendo games and the CD games, so it would be an all-in-one system. Or you could buy the add-on system if you already had the Super Nintendo. And because of this, and a couple other reasons too, Nintendo decided to completely nix that deal. One of the biggest reasons they decided to nix it was with the the, uh, Sega CD. If anyone had that, all, all five of you out there listening, um, well, my brother had it, I should say, but one of the things that was the biggest problem with it is that it took so long to start up a game, and even when it was going, it took forever to keep going, and Nintendo saw this as a problem, and so they decided not to go the CD route, which is why the 64 was a cartridge-based system. Well, Sony decided to go ahead and make the PlayStation as a standalone unit, and they are now what Uh, We know them today as the Sony PlayStation. Well, during the Nintendo 64 days, uh, the PlayStation did uh, definitely own that era, and then the PlayStation 2, they own that era as well. However, though, um, during the fourth generation with the GameCube, the Xbox, and the PlayStation, one of the things I would owe, and I argue this to the death because I am, of course, a Nintendo fanboy, is that the GameCube had the most successful generation last generation. last time around. And the main reason why is because Nintendo was the only company to actually make money. Uh, The Xbox in particular, they lost over a billion dollars developing uh, their system and selling it. And then if you think the PlayStation, yeah, they shipped over 100 million units, but think about it. The PlayStation 2s broke down so easily. And on top of that, one of the biggest thing, one of the biggest problems that they had is that they don't really have any first-party games. Uh, for anyone listening, uh, if you're still listening, uh, think about it. Like, if you think of Nintendo, you know, there's probably going to be, like, four big names that come to mind. Of course, Mario. After that, you're going to have Link. And then maybe Donkey Kong and Samus from Metroid. Those are probably be the big, you know, franchises you think of when you think of Nintendo. Now, when you think of Sony, you might think of Metal Gear Solid, but that's Konami. You might think of Grand Theft Auto, but that's Rockstar Games. You know, you don't really have any definitive first-party titles on there, anything that's worthwhile. Well, now you have the the next generation, uh, which is the Nintendo Wii, the Xbox 360, and the PlayStation 3. And as of right now, the Nintendo Wii is uh, is o- almost over 20 million units sold worldwide, which is huge because they're about ready to surpass the GameCube, which has been out since uh, November of 2001, and they've only sold 22 million units. And the Wii is on pace to break that in just a little over a year. So uh, it's quite an accomplishment. And when you compare it to the PlayStation 3, which has been out for longer than the Nintendo Wii, they've sold, I think, about this time, probably about 10 million units. The 360, I believe, is at about 17 million units, and that's been out for a full year longer than the Nintendo Wii has. So the Wii has definitely revolutionized the way we play games, because one of the things I've always said is with the Wii, 
it's about gameplay and not graphics because I've always said graphics do not make gameplay. I would much rather play Super Mario Brothers 3, which had phenomenal mechanics, than play any of the new PlayStation 3 games, which look phenomenal. They have great graphics, but they have horrible, horrible gameplay. Well, one of the things I did want to talk about is how Nintendo has just by releasing the Wii, has just made themselves be around now for 20 more years. And the reason I say this is because, if you think about it, during the Nintendo days, when the Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis came out, you had a choice, and those were the two big companies to choose from. You know, that was basically your only choices. And what did most people choose? A lot of people chose the Super Nintendo because they knew Mario. They knew Zelda, you know, they knew Metroid. They knew all of these big-name franchises, and they chose them because of that. And because they had great games. The Super Nintendo, to me, was the greatest system ever made. It had way better games than any other system ever released throughout history. So what's that have to do with the Wii? Well, one of the biggest uh, things with the Wii that they, they boast is having the virtual console on there, which is the ability to download all the classic games. And yeah, you can go onto your computer, you can go to any ROM site and download all those games to play, but you know, not a lot of people want to sit by their computer and play it, or you, can, you know, some people will mod their systems where you can play it on you know, that way. But having the ability to just have it all right there with the Nintendo Wii just is such a huge, huge thing. And a lot of the people that do the ROMs anyway are going to be younger people. They're not going to be the people in their 30s or 40s that knew Mario, that, you know, grew up playing those games. And that's going to be one of the biggest one of the biggest selling points with the Wii is the ability to do that. But on top of it, a lot of people are buying these systems for their kids, especially over uh, the holiday season. They were buying these systems for their children. And what happened? Well, they're going to buy the Nintendo Wii, and then they're probably the next game they're going to buy with it is going to be a Mario-based game, probably Mario Galaxy, which was a lot of fun to play. But these kids are going to be playing it, and then they're going to associate Mario with Nintendo just like everyone else does. And at that point in time, Nintendo just made tons of fanboys. So you all have kids who, oh yeah, this person may have the 360 and they may have a Halo game on there, but they have the Nintendo Wii and it's fun to play and they have all these great games on there. And that's going to be, I think, the biggest selling point for a lot of people. Because, I mean, let's face it, if you have a, a system where you can have all these downloaded games on there already, and then on top of that, you have great games that, you know, five in particular that come with the system and Wii Sports, and on top of that, you have the Mario, Zelda, and Metroid already out, and then you have Smash Brothers coming out in the near future, along with Mario Kart and a few other games, they're going to get kids hooked. And I think that Nintendo has, especially with the Wii, you know, a lot of people call it a fad, a lot of people say it's a novelty, but it hasn't worn off yet, and I don't believe that it will. So, it's going to be one of those things, it's going to be a wait-and-see feature, but Nintendo definitely made an, a huge impact. And if you look at the, the uh, jumps in the, the consoles, I mean, from the NES to the, the SNES, it was fairly standard. You know, I mean, they added more buttons and they, they made the graphics look better. And then with the 64, they did pretty much the same thing. And then when the GameCube came out, you know, it was, it was a uh, DVD-based system. You know, they made the graphics look prettier. But there wasn't that big of a revolution, you know. From the SNES to the NES, or from the SNES to the Nintendo 64, you had the analog joystick added. And then to the GameCube, you didn't have that big of a jump. 
but from the GameCube to the Wii, I mean, you think about it, and they eliminated some buttons, they made it so you actually are moving around when you play it, and they just make it all around more fun. They make you feel like you're a part of the game. If you're playing a first-person shooter, the best place to play it, most people would say, would be with a mouse and keyboard. But I'll tell you right now, you play it on the Wii, and it is the exact same damn near. And a lot of people love it. A lot of people do. I'm one in particular that does. So, And I'm 25 years old now, and I... I absolutely love playing my video games, you know, especially with something like this, you know, because it's a quick, you know, pick up and play uh, mentality, which is what games should be. It should be fun. You know, they should, you should have a good time while you play them. And that's what Nintendo has done. They've made games fun again. So as opposed to going to a recession, like the video game industry was planning on doing, Nintendo decided to pull it out of that and actually sell more games. So, uh, so basically, I just kind of want to talk about the Nintendo like I've been doing, and I just kind of wanted to say that I believe that they have a long and fruitful life ahead of them. And if you're a Nintendo fanboy like I am, I'm glad that you listen to this podcast. Got some, you know, information about them, so that way you know a little bit more about Nintendo and everything, so you know a little bit about their history and how certain things came to fruition. But, uh... Basically, all I'd like to say uh, in closing that I love Nintendo. I hope you do too, and that they do have a long, fruitful life ahead of them. So, uh, until next time, this is Aaron Hughes for Creative Tragedy, and I want to actually—I do need to tell say before I go—I want to give a big shout out to Section Eighty Six and Eighty Six Productions for hosting the podcast. And if you're listening to this, there's a very good chance you're already listening to our other podcast, whether it's Vertebreaker, it Burns When I Pee, or the Kiwani Sports League. So, if you don't listen to them it'd be a very good idea too and until next time get some